Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 38 of Extra Lore, recorded live on May 3rd, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at Anthem. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 We also have our own master of social media, the one and only Green-Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How's the week treated you so far? It has been a very bipolar week here in Colorado. On Monday, there was snow on the ground. Today, it was kind of hot enough where I had to turn on the AC. So it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We had a lot of overcast and clouds and today i finally got to work on putting up the retaining wall so if we're ending the week strong it started out rough but we're ending strong nice nice and then rounding out the usual team we have our good buddy the lore content cop himself beard grizzly beard how are you doing i know there's a, a bit of a cacophony of a thunderstrike going on behind you i don't i don't know what you're talking about it's just thor having a good time all right <laughs> Like you can calm down over listen, there. No listen, I haven't. I haven't seen you in a long time, my friend. Is it Thor or is it Captain America at this point? No, no, it's Thor. It's, it's Thor. It's definitely Thor. He's. Uh, He's you, you can you can tell considering the uh, the the heavy nature of it, considering that gut. What? Oh, oh my god. Man. I'm not going to say anything further than that before I get <laughs> into trouble. Yeah, get, but mm-hmm. you know what? I mean, Ooh. technically the hot zone of 72 hours is up, right? I mean, that that is kind of the official Is spoil- it the official internet? Uh, isn't it 72? Thing? Isn't it 72 hours or is it a week? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, say a week to yeah, be safe. Okay, fair I, enough. Whatever. I mean, we're we're gonna by the time be by the time this releases, we'll be good. Anyway. Yeah, we'll be we'll be yeah, fine exactly. outside the week. We'll be we'll be. Yep. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, uh, definitely, definitely because of that, we'll we'll just we'll just go with that notion. Uh, you guys might hear it in top three early on, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm a, gonna try to knock it out as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. Then the conversation is going to be really confusing afterwards if you do uh, manage to knock it out. Yeah, because it's just going to be like, ah, oh, what in the heck was that? It, 
trust me, it wasn't a bomb. It was a lightning strike that was probably like a good mile or less away from the house. But mm-hmm. uh, it it was it was loud. It was loud. Oh, oh it, man! Yeah. Well, it was a thing. As with as with most of our um, extra lore content, I don't green. I don't think you had. Did you have a community question on this one? No, uh, not with this. Okay, one. I really I really try not to do. Yeah, I know you community yeah. questions with the extra lures because they're they're such a broad topic that it would end up just being like a popularity right, thing right. more than anything no, else. No, I completely, completely understand that one. So let's run through our quick intro notes or standard intro notes, and then we'll get right into it. In our last Extra Lore episode, we took a brief look at Devil May Cry. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate, and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Extra Lore for May is going to be a discussion on the lore of Mortal Kombat, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in on that conversation. With all that out of the way, Green, where do you think the best place to start is when looking for a really basic understanding of Anthem? I kind of want to start off, and we're just going to get this out of the way, EA and Anthem, and let's just get the politics talk out of the way, because I know that's going to be part of this episode a little bit. Feelings from you two who have not played the game, but have seen the community's reaction to the game from the initial it's going to be a Destiny Killer hype that was happening to the betas that everybody got to play to the actual release of the game. How how did you see the community reacting to it? I'm curious from that perspective because I got I pl- played the beta, I have the game, I played the game, so I knew it from that side. But from an outside observer, I want to know what your guys' thoughts are. I'll be real blunt. Um, I don't care. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I and I don't, I don't mean that like as an attack at all. I, I just, I have so much free time, and I have decided to kind of double down. You know, especially with Destiny, kind of getting more interesting for me again here with this pat this past season um you know i i've gotten to the point where most of you probably know this about me at this point but i don't really pay attention to a lot of social media um i kind of feel like gaming reviews and gaming news is I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like 90% clickbait, it feels like. Um, so the, the term Destiny Killer, uh, quite honestly, I think it 
I don't know. I, it, it's the same thing as like back when it was like, oh, this is going to be a Halo killer or whatever. I mean, it's just it's a game. I mean, my my kind of I guess that's kind of my response is like if it doesn't bring you pleasure to play, you know, like, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, the game that's kind of distracting me from Destiny right now uh, is not actually a first person shooter game. Uh, it's Tomb Raider uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Uh, they just released it on Game Pass, and I'm I I'm you uh, the the remake of the Tomb Raider series is amazing, like hands down, it is one of the funnest games I've played in a really long time, and so I'll I'll be honest that when I get a chance from you know running stuff in Destiny, I, I hop over there and try to chip away at the campaign on that. Um, I'm a huge solo gameplay person, so you know having the big selling point of Anthem being like, we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be destiny or we're going to be, you know, whatever the primary thing about destiny. And we kind of talked about this with top three. The primary thing with destiny was it was a social game. If you, if you don't play with a community, you're at, you put yourself at a disadvantage. I'm okay playing destiny solo. I know that going into like when I solo queue with destiny, I understand that I am putting myself at a disadvantage and I'm okay with that. I choose to to partake because I love the world so much. I, I I choose to partake in the world in that fashion. Anthem, I mean, and this is nothing again, this is nothing against Anthem or the developers. The game the game from what I've seen, it looks really cool. It sounds like it's got a really cool story. I'm hoping to kind of get that confirmed here. I mean, I, I know the people who have dug into it are actually really kind of impressed with it. Um, you know, mechanics aside, which I'm sure we'll, we'll hear a little bit about that. Excuse me. Um, like, I don't know. It's it just, to me, it's like, it's another time sink and I don't have the time to sink. So I'm just kind of like, I, I just don't have any interest in it. Like, again, I, I think it looks really cool, but I know, I've gotten to a point in my life where I know myself well enough that if I start looking at another game like that, I'll get sucked in regardless of mechanics and stuff. Um, and then also on top of all that, it's a third person. I, I'm not a fan of third person. Like Gears of War is really the only third person shooter game that I have ever gotten to a point where I'm like, if a new Gears have come out, I'll probably play through the campaign just simply because I like the story so much. Um, the third person shooter like gameplay to me is just it's very clunky um especially for my particular play style uh and so cuz i'm not a running gunner like i don't i don't tend we were kind of making fun of that earlier tonight um i tend to be the person who kind of sits back and takes precision shots and so for me a third person shooter kind of handicaps you and so then when you're on top of that, you're handicapped because you're playing a community game solo queue, you know, it start it just starts kind of snowballing. Uh, and so, I mean, yeah, so that's really, that's a lot of words for something that I just profess that I don't care about. Uh, but it, I guess that's kind of a, a peeling back of why I, I take that approach. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, I haven't, I haven't even played the beta. I'll be honest. I never, I, I got it. Um, and I was like, oh, that, I mean, it looks cool. It's really good. Like the, the cutscenes that I have seen from it are, it's just amazing. Like, ama- I love the, I love the, yes, pens, even with the bear, Tomb Raider is amazing. I'm sorry. I just saw chats making fun of me. It's, but no, um, 
back to anthem like the anthem the aesthetics is i mean it's beautiful the, the like i said the snippet of the story that i've heard it sounds really cool um it's very very um i want to say supernatural like shamanistic way uh just again this is from very limited knowledge uh just simply because the basis around the the concept of an anthem of a song of life and everything um I kind of associate that with like the shamanistic concepts of, you know, um, of uh, med- uh, natural medicine and that kind of concept of singing to the spirits and, you know, communing with the spirits in that way. Um, I think that's really cool. I think that's an awesome concept. But then I get back to reality is just I don't have the time. I, I just don't have time to invest in it. So I just I've kind of turned off, um, especially with games like Cyberpunk coming around the corner. Uh, we have rumors of Beyond Good and Evil 2. I mean, like there's there's these games that I have been waiting for years to get a handle on. And it's like and with Destiny kind of re-emerging, you know, in my interest as well. I just have to pick and choose. And sadly, Anthem just didn't make the cut. I mean, it's like Division. I just don't have any interest in it um i i i come from the different side of things i suppose not just from the uh from the i don't have time for it because at this point i really don't either uh but it does come down to another piece of it and that is looking at what uh bioware has kind of done or, or not necessarily bioware but also what uh ea has also done to the community as a whole that seems to be trying to helping help the game along and to to help it like flourish and like all the goodwill and nature that they were that has been presented with the title and who has been working on it and so on and it's just a i can't look at it and and not think that it's if you want to censor this you can't it's not just a big f you uh the the stuff that they have done to the player base as a whole uh and and releasing it in the nature that they did is insulting uh and i really do hope that they get something together to make it better than what it is at the moment because it deserves it it is not to say that that world the world is terrible or anything else but i think that it promisingly deserves it uh and i say that for people mostly because i know what I went through with Destiny and what most of us have kind of gone through with Destiny, uh, with how it was something that was uh, that was really like tough to uh, to to say that it was something that was good originally. That there were a lot of problems that kind of fit the bill with how Destiny was portrayed and started. Uh, so we've been there. Like that's that's the whole thing. We've been there. Uh, and when I when I see that people have issues with uh, the general uh, general presentation or general story pieces or gameplay pieces of Anthem as a whole, uh, I can't look at them and go, "Well, brother, let me uh, let me tell you how you can uh, get over these these issues that you're feeling," because I've been there. Uh, and in addition, like I end up sitting back and I thinking I think on uh, you know not not even what had happened with me in Destiny, but also what happened with me and uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, the idea of a WoW killer has been something that is old. It is tired. Uh, it is stupid. And by the end of the day, the only thing that has pretty well killed WoW 
has been World of Warcraft itself has been. Bleak. <laughs> I was about to say it has been uh, WoW. Like, WoW is its own problem. <laughs> WoW well, is but its I mean, own problem. It's the and, same as any and, of them. Like I, I would argue yeah. that it's like, I, and I, I I'm going to double down with that beard because I think that's that's also doing a disservice to the whole game industry as a whole. Yeah. Like if you go into a, a situation saying your only goal is to kill, you know, this other your competitor, your competition. I mean, and I, to be fair, I don't think any. I don't well, okay, think fair. That any that's, of the franchises that is fair. are going that is, with that in that mind. Is fair. I'm that is fair. That is that is say the, yes, they did with Anthem because almost think, all really? of the marketing that they had was we are basically going after Bungie in its entirety. Uh, anything that they showcased was basically saying this is what Bungie had done. We're going to show you how we can do it better. Oh, this is a map in Destiny. This is a map in Anthem. Uh, most of but the, the things... thing is, is the game that doesn't have really any PvP aspects. But or they didn't it's care the about same. that. Like that's the I mean, whole the inkling in that respect. Well, and to be fair they to were... Beard, that is kind of one of the things they compared it to was because they were like, "Yeah, PvP is not. We're not doing PvP because we saw how broken it was." I mean, I, I guess yeah. I mean, Beard does have kind of a point on that one. Like he, yeah, I do. Re- I do remember that conversation being. I don't know. I I also yeah, I also was, do I also do see a difference a, between producers and the devs who are yeah. working on it. Correct. Sure. Because there's some really great story. The music's actually really good. I think the yeah. art was done very. Oh, I think well. the art. I think the oh game, my gosh, the art is amazing. The concept, I, right. of course, concept art's always. I think concept art's always amazing. But well, not even just the concept art. Flying around an anthem is gorgeous. Is it okay? It's actually it's really pretty just to fly around the world because there's actually free play where you can just kind of go everywhere, and it's a it's a really pretty, well developed, well rendered, and you don't have to like loading screens or anything like that. You can fly anywhere and the draws, t- it's actually really well done. And I think the devs did a really good job. Like the ones who are working on art, the ones who are working on uh, with the frostbite engine itself, <laughs> which was a complete and other travesty in, a lo- in and of itself. Right. Oh I God. Yeah. But I think a lot of the devs that were working on their thing, just like devs on a lot of other games, it is a labor of love, and they did a great job with what they had to work with. You could the writers; they, it just never was completed to the extent of the idea. They had a big idea; they only completed part of it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you could tell what portions of the game were were worked on very well, or had mm-hmm. like a decent amount of like engagement behind them in development. Uh, it was it was pretty obvious in that respect, but yeah, I I could honestly carry on my feelings with the the ideas of the politics behind the game probably oh, all day. Because sure. uh, quite frankly, I think what happened with the guys with Bioware, and granted, some of the people at Bioware are just as much at fault for it. Uh, what had happened to them as a whole was was a general travesty, and I I kind of feel I feel bad for any of those that are involved in the project that have a heart and have care for it because i don't blame any of them but there has to be you you cannot make a game that presents itself in that regard and then falls back on needing to fix bugs to this extent and then push back its new content nearly indefinitely and not have something go on with the studio 
I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. You've got something that's going on wrong at the top. And whether that's EA or Bioware, something needs fixing. So to those it's... that are just like the grunts that are working, I, I, I seriously give you all credit for what it is you did. I, I love what the, the game looks like. I, I love how it looks. I also mm-hmm. absolutely loved, uh, how the flying mechanics and everything oh, fell yeah, in place. Like the, the general gameplay is fantastic. I think it's the, the, the same thing that, uh, I had said with Destiny 2. I think D2 had a fantastic base that it started with. And then it progressively kind of worked itself out and got better. Uh, but having that really stable base is what helped it. And then knowing where you were going to go is the important part of it. And for Bioware, just as much as what we had here with, uh, with, An- uh, with Destiny 2 and with Bungie and then Anthem with Bioware, this is different for them. This is them creating like a persistent world. And granted, we've seen some things with like the old Republic and whatnot that they had a persistent world MMO. Why they didn't develop further into that or figure out where they screwed up with that because there were parts they definitely did. That would have been the easy thing for them to kind of like figure out. But obviously, of course, one game's development is not the same as another's. Uh, and that's where, you know, you get into studios uh, and get into right. publishers and stuff like that. And it's it's a lot of it's a lot of disservice to the game developers themselves because yeah. of these schedules that they're being forced to keep to. Yeah. Now ultimately that, I I think it comes down to the uh the 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 players got screwed, the developers got screwed, and I really feel bad for anybody that kind of got like highly involved with it. Uh, and I know that there are people out there that absolutely enjoy the game. Props on you. But there are fundamental flaws with this title that you have to understand exist. And I am saying this as somebody, as a Destiny 2 player, that understood and understands there are fundamental flaws with the game that still need addressing. There is no problems in calling out those points. There is no problems in saying to the developer, this needs to be fixed. Stand up for the thing you care for, because it's exactly what we did with Destiny, and that's what led to Forsaken. And moving on into the lower section of our episode. Yeah, otherwise I'm going to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I mean, it's a big part of what's happening with this game currently. It is. And I I think it's an important thing to talk about because the gaming industry in general is having this weird issue that they're going through. So I'm glad we talked about it. I know it's not exactly what a lot of our listeners were necessarily coming in for the very first section of this. Mm. Maybe a timestamp would be... Uh, prudent for those of you who may want to skip ahead to the actual lore section that's fine i'm sure blue will have that kind of going for you but to get into anthem and the story of anthem anthem has kind of the same problem that d1 did d1 had a fantastic story that no one knew about (laughs) anthem also has this problem (laughs) at least it had a longer campaign (laughs) Yeah, Anthem that, at least had like the that that going for it, and a lot of rights. Like yeah. the, the campaign's much longer than uh, and than D1. There's a really good twist, right. and you're immersed into it differently than in D1 because D1 
it's a it's a little bit different setup but the basic world of anthem it is a it is a wild area a wild environment where there's jungle everywhere and there are a few settlements slash cities that have coalesced where humanity stands because the wilderness has all these creatures and um, events and colossus and everything that are going to be out there that will eat your face or shock you to death or poison you or other things. So humanities are kind of squished into these little pockets. And the reason why Anthem is called Anthem is because of the concept of the Anthem of Creation, which Blue talked about earlier. And the Anthem is the source of pure creation itself. And it's the Shapers, which are a group or entity or group of entities that used the Anthem to create the world. So Anthem is the energy slash source of creation and the shapers are essentially the artist in some respects that molded the world and created it the anthem has existed since the beginning of time and permeates all aspects of his existence the anthem has been the subject of much debate over its origin limits and if humans should attempt to channel it some believe it is nothing more than story and myth which this is all an excerpt from the game itself from the Anthem of Creation card that you can get in-game. So the Anthem is a power source that you can actually tap into, and that multiple characters throughout the game do tap into, or at least can harmonize-ish with. Am I staying coherent for everyone so far? Mm -hmm. Students, students, are you okay? I, I I mean, I get it. I'm a warlock. Yep. Okay, good. Yay, the hunter gets it too. Uh, so there's other things Maybe in the game. Maybe he's not just picking his nails. I mean, he's playing something. So, I mean, he's at least he's at least here. That's fair. Right? That's very rude of so you. So, through... I mean, I'm a hunter It's also too. accurate, I but it's also very rude. Down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. But... Going back to kind of the Anthem creation, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, but throughout the world, there are things called Shaper Relics. And these are instruments that were left behind by the Shapers when they abandoned the world because they created the world, the Shapers did, and then after the world was made, they left. And Shaper Relics have the ability to modify natural fauna and flora, which is something that comes up a little bit later. They also have the ability to play with space and time, and some relics, when you use them, they will disappear when they're silenced. Some don't. Some reappear after years or hours. They're kind of these fluid, time-gatey type things. They're not time gates where you can go through, but they, they're these power sources that pop in and out of existence. Fun thing that um, some of the Shaper relics their imagery they don't all look the same which is kind of nice but there are things where you use a um, lost echoes you use echoes of anthem to help silence them they look like speakers speakers. it's kind of cool is his mask broken there are sorry i had to so 
I'm. I mean, I'm going to start sounding like the grizzly the bear speaker, all of a sudden. I'm on a brain. I know. I mean, like you take uh-huh. the little fabric off the front of your car speaker or the little thing off the speaker and the little uh, wavy uh, foam start. I don't even remember what they're made out of. It's been too long since I've taken that class, but it looks like the speaker body itself. I mean, it's really kind of cool because you can see the sound vibrations when it's actually running. It's, I don't know, I'm I'm such a music geek that when I saw speakers in the game, I was like, I'm good. I'm good for a while. This will, this will keep me entertained for a bit. But uh, I mentioned how they can change fauna and flora. There are creatures that were formed at the dawn of creation called the Anzu that were kind of affected by the shapers and everything else. Then there is a shaper ruin that destroyed the city of Freemark, which is important to the your character in the story. And it produced the heart of rage cataclysm, which cataclysms are super important because it is essentially a unpredictable disturbance that was created when the anthem creation overwhelms a shaper instrument. So when the sound waves are turned up to 11, you get a cataclysm. So the one in Freemark, you see at the very opening of the game, it you're essentially your character is part of that. You see the heart of rage and everything going on. The cataclysms they appear as an intense storm a lot of the times. While one cataclysm may create bizarre new wildlife, another may sh- shake the ground or force rivers to flow backwards. The only thir- certain thing about a cl- cataclysm is that it cannot be predicted. So, heart of rage is the one I talked about. It's the one that you see in the opening scenes. It's the one where you kind of have this breaking apart of the characters that you eventually kind of reconnect, at least with one of them. Later on, see here, going into, as far as world goes, like general history of where we're going to get into, because there's so many factions, there's locations there's creatures there's so many different things in the game because it's a full fleshed out world but as far as like the history of the cataclysm and the anthem itself there are people who are studying the anthem there are people who are trying to figure out how to utilize the anthem no one really has a good grasp on it so because it's the shaping of reality and the creation force. They're not going to be a good grasp on it. There are people who are going to try to do it, use it and make it work for them, but it doesn't really turn out the way they want it to. So we don't have a ton of information on it itself. I'm hoping that we get more because I think that is the most fascinating part. So I'm going to move on to factions, unless either of you have questions that I can possibly address with those first couple sections. Blue or beard? Not at the moment. No, I'm actually, I'm good. Yeah. Cool. Following the basics. There's, yep, we're going, we're going real basic with this one because there's still, I don't want to give any story spoilers. So we get into the factions that 
you'll see throughout the world. There are enemy factions. You have the Scars. You have the Dominion. You have Urgoth. You have Outlaws. And those are pretty much the main ones that you see. The Dominion are an expansion expand, expansionist military regime from Stralhelm that destroyed the city of Freemark when they attempted to control the Cenotaph, which was what created the Heart of Rage. So the Cenotaph is the Shaper relic that they were trying to get control of. When they activated it and tried to use it, it's created the, it overwhelmed that Shaper relic with the Anthem and created the Heart of Rage, which is the major cataclysm that happens. There are some major characters within the Dominion that cause issues. Uh, Dr. Harkin, who is the one who led the charge to seize control of the Cenotaph, and the Monitor, which monitors are an operative, the rare, who is both a Lancer and a Cypher, and I'm going to get into that in a second. Monitors undergo special training to make them near-omniscient secret police. The Dominion engage in numerous biological experiments inspired by their belief that they are meant to harness the Anthem of Creation's power. So they're going to try to use it as much as possible, which is why they're kind of our main enemy faction in some ways. Furies are among the most visible and destructive results, which Furies are one of the creatures that you sometimes come up against, and they're not fun at all. But the Monitors... I mentioned the Lancer and the Cypher. The Lancers are the ones who use the suits. So you see the image of the guy in the kind of the mech-ish suit. That is a Lancer. They're the ones who fly it. They're the pilots. The Cypher are the... They're kind of psychically connected to Anthem itself. They're sensitive to it, is what is said in the game. So they're the ones who can sense when something is truly wrong and they can kind of feel where the anthem is stronger and where it's not. There's a lot of story about ciphers being um, trained beyond normal and they were kind of enslaved because of their psychic ability. Not a fun story to go into, but I think we're going to touch on it a little bit when I get to ciphers in general. But Lancers are the ones who pilot. Cyphers are the ones who help the Lancers. So they're kind of generally in pairs. You have pilot and Cypher. Cyphers sit in a Matrix-like chair and help them with it from afar. Uh, I mentioned the Urgos. Urgos are a type of creature that used to enslave humanity. They are kind of... The nearest thing I could think of is they remind me of the Bullywogs from... Borderlands. Mm. They're kind of a muscular ape-like mm. creature. They're not exactly that, but they that's what it reminds Very me similar. of. And they were Yeah. They were defeated by the Legion of Dawn, which is a important group of individuals. They're kind of the Iron Lords of Anthem, their version of it. And then we have Outlaws, which Outlaws are an unfortunate group of people. They are Hardened, violent criminals who were cast out of society because they threatened public safety and security. So they're essentially kicked out of the wall. So once they're exiled 
and kicked out of the city, because remember, humanity's in these little pockets, they have to survive in the wild. And it's not an easy thing to do. And when they do that, there's there's a lot of bad things that can happen to them. They can get um, essentially really feral, I guess is the way to put it. Think of mob bosses, but feral like rugrats. Weird comparison, but you know, go with it. Uh, they have crime syndicates and stuff like that, and you end, end up actually working with a few outlaws in the game to further your own cause, but they are not generally savory types. Uh, the The practice of kicking people out of the city and exiling them seems to be in debate a lot of the time. They tend to... There are people who think that it causes more problems instead of handling it within the city. You send them out, you create more outlaws, you create a bigger problem outside of the city, which freelancers and um, the sentries have to go after and fix. Then we get into the scars, which scars are probably the most fascinating enemy race I think that they have. The scars are an, they're a colonial swarm of insects that mimic the dominant life form in the area. So you can have scars of different types. Scars first appeared from a cataclysm in 413 LV, which remember how I said cataclysms can change things dramatically, whether it's like weather patterns or river directions and stuff like that. This is where scars come from, is from a cataclysm. At the time, freelancers defeated a large, vicious creature none of them recognized. Later, unknown to freelancers, the scars regroup and change their mimicry to appear human. So literally, you are fighting replicators in some respects, or oh, SIVA good, in some respects. Because I totally wanted Stargate in this. Right? It's a little intense. They're bugs, though. So they... Yeah, that's... That's totally the replicators. Totally and replicators. they can just go right? take a long walk off a short pier. Yep. Like, right? So it's just, it's really scary to think about. What's even worse is there's something called the Ascari, because scars are still hive mind sure. based. Ascaris actually have a little bit more free will. Um, they're sentient manifestations of a scar swarm. Once a swarm reaches a critical mass through consumption, so once it gains enough power, it becomes capable of speech and intellect and intelligent thought and also gains unique thoughts and ambitions that, that are thought to lead scar power struggles. So there's factions within the scars, but most of the time the scars are just very instinct-based. They come after you with weapons just like a human does. They look like humans when they come at you. It's just a little bit funky armor. But the Iskari actually have plans and whatnot and have gained sentient life because they've consumed enough. And it's just, it's a terrifying and fascinating group and enemies. So there's also, as far as enemies go, I don't, I'm not getting into any of the Natural creatures, there's obviously the Colossus, which if you're going through the world and you run into one of them solo and you're under level, just run, run away. Just run away. Um, think 
now I'm blanking on the anime. Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. The ju- mm-hmm. Attack on Titan. Awesome. Thank you. You know, for Blue to even know that Think one. Of Come that. on, Green. Come on. Come on. I mean, hey, hey now. Hey now. Go ahead. You can't see it, but I'm just that shrugging. Was a, that was a um, dig at both of you. You see how good that one was? Yeah, yeah. You're getting, you're getting pretty good at this. The Colossus are kind of pains in the butts because a lot of them, they have fire attacks that are both area of effect seeking and just flat out annoying. Um, they'll send out little like creature-esque things after you. They'll send out this homing missiles. They'll send out bursts of fire in all directions. They're a pain. You can take them out if you have a team or if you're significantly powered enough or have enough ability or patience. Patience is a virtue with these guys, too. When cataclysms happen, a lot of times colossus tend to appear or at least coalesce in the area. In the opening cutscene, you see colossus show up and it becomes quite the problem. There's also various things like scorpions that'll show up. There's other like creatures that you have to fight up against that are not as prominent as far as a faction or a group, but they're there. Ally factions, though, when you're in the city, you'll get to see all these different ones or at least interact with them. And there's a few different groups. There's the Arcanist. Corvus, ciphers, engineers, freelancers, regulators, and sentinels. And a lot of these different factions you can gain reputation points with by doing different missions and different uh, retrieval type things for them. Arcanists are your scientists, researchers, and the scholars who study the mysteries of the world. The main one that you deal with is the one that you got to, uh, if you play the beta, is the one you got to C, which was Matthias. Matthias is kind of an interesting character who grew up on the streets, has to go through a lot of things to get through to where he's at. Then you have Corvus, which Corvus is a corporation type group that controls a lot of things within the world. They also are responsible for developing certain javelins or a certain javelin compared to others. And your main contact with them is Tassin, which you meet fairly early on in the campaign. She is your liaison between Corvus, the Corvus Corporation, and yourself as a freelancer. Ciphers, we kind of talked about. They have the psychic connection and are sensitive to the Anthemoth creation and are often paired with javelin pilots via amplifier. Um... Fun fact, many are thought to be a little loose in the heads, according to Owen, who is your personal cipher throughout most of the game. Ciphers were initially used for covert purposes by Corvus, but through their own revolution, they were able to expand their rights and freedom to choose how they used their abilities. So Corvus was the one who, once they discovered that these people were sensitive to the anthem, they really wanted them to develop their powers so Corvus could use them to acquire more information and power because they were supposed to be spies, essentially. And they tend to sit in these amplifiers, which look like the chair from either um, Assassin's Creed or uh, Matrix-esque. 
Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like at least Animus, like Animus One. It really is similar to that in its look. Um, the two characters that you deal with with the ciphers are Owen and Faye. Faye is technically the one you meet first. She is in the original cutscene with the um, Heart of Rage, but she is not your cipher. Your cipher is Owen through most of the game, and Owen is this really annoying character. Um, I kind of want to punch him half the time, but I also feel sorry for him. He's got a lot of self-esteem issues. He's just a, a little obnoxious guy. They both are really intelligent people, but they're also both very wishy-washy. So they're dumbly You're intelligent? In... They're like... I want to say they're like warlocks, but I'm going to get shot down for that. I mean, um, in being a what little loose way? in the head. I'm not going to go in it. Just the loose in the head thing? No, I think warlocks are more like Okie dokie, Arasmorn. To be honest. I'm st- <laughs> It's just, I don't know how to continue this without getting into a Destiny <laughs> fight, and I want to keep on Anthem as much as possible. I'm not helping anything, am I? It's, you know, you're giving me somebody to bounce back and forth between instead of just reading all my notes, which is great. I don't mind that. It breaks it up a little bit. The getting back into the factions, though, we got the engineers. Engineers are exactly what they sound like skilled mechanics, artisans, architects, and smiths who build, maintain, and repair bastions, which is a city infrastructure. There are two main groups the architects who design things and the mechanics who build them. Very straightforward. There's, I mean, there's one engineer that you deal with primarily. She's the first person you really meet when you get into the city. I can't remember her name at the moment, unfortunately, though. Then we get into the freelancers themselves. Freelancers are independent lancers, which makes sense. They are freelancers, so they're the pilots of the, these little mech suits. Freelancers who choose to follow General Tarsus, which is an important character in the past, and the Path of Valor, which is another thing that General Tarsus created. They're, they silence cataclysms and aid those in need beyond the safety of the walls, a.k.a. they are Robin Hood in some respects. Freelancers act without direct tights. orders from any central organizations. We all... I can't do Lancers because it too many syllables. We're Lancers. Lancers in suits, suits, suits. Yeah, it doesn't nah, really it doesn't. work. It, I mean, we tried. I tried. We, we did what we could. Yeah. yeah. I think we're just going to call this Anthem the Musical from now on. That's, I mean, uh, I don't want to sing the whole thing. All right. I mean, you're the musician, though. Yeah, but so are you. Shh. Nobody needs to hear that. Again. Do you play saxophone? Now oh. you know. Freelancers act without direct orders from any central organization. Though there is no official code, even though a lot of them follow the path of valor, the modern perception of freelancer values are attributed to Dalithay's The Freelancers 3. And uh, freelancers are kind of like Robin Hood. 
they're kind of their popularity kind of wanes a little bit after the Heart of Rage and the Free Mark disaster and their failure to silence the Heart of Rage. Many people don't trust freelancers and now look to a different uh, faction. They look to the Sentinels for protection. Your main freelancer uh, contact within the game is one of the original people that was at Freemark with you, who is Haluk, who runs a Colossus. Um, beyond that, freelancers, you'll have a few different interactions with them. Anybody you run into in the wild, all the people that you're doing all your missions with, they're all freelancers. They're not, they're just independent. They are your people who will go out and take contracts, your bounty hunters per se. Uh, regulators, which is an interesting group of criminals. I, mean, I mentioned the outlaws. Regulators are, I, I put them as ally factions. They're kind of allies. They're kind of not. You generally don't fight against them, but it is an organized criminal group that deals in smuggling, gambling, theft, extortion, and other illegal activity. While not ruthless as outlaws, the regulators are still dangerous and operate outside city or civil society while manipulating others for profit. The recent closings of Strider locks and downturn in, or Striders locks and downturns in the safety of roads have limited legal trade and made the re regulators rich. So it mentions striders. Striders are essentially, is it AT-ATs that have the two or the four feet? Yes. Yeah. Striders are AT-ATs. They are giant four-legged uh, striders that go across the land that allow you to traverse through everything because there's a lot of dense uh, jungle growth and rivers and mountains to go through. And there are roads that these guys will travel through. They've shut down a lot of them in-game because of the Heart of Rage and other colossus and cataclysms going on, but it was a means of travel that was safe for people who did not have javelins. But the main contact that you have with the regulators, going back to that, the group of organized crime syndicate, there's Princess Zim, who makes you eat the heart of of a gross creature and it is a very indiana jones moment when you have to do that to gain her trust to gain also halleck's trust back kalima it's yeah it's disgusting and apparently it smells real bad and a, it's just like and you kind of pass out after eating it it's just a really gross scene i am very weak stomached stomached it's not a good thing. Me thinking about it right now is even making me a little bit like, oof. She's an interesting one, though. I'm just over here like Kali Ma, that's all. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Do you also run from a boulder shortly afterward? You Wait, don't. Wait, no wrong movie. Nope, you don't. You do, I think you get back into the Strider right after that and go back to um, the main town. There's one last group as far as allies go, and those are Sentinels. And Sentinels are kind of like the policing group. They're sure. the ones who are employed by the Emperor, or they protect people in Antium, which is the name of the entire um, world is Antium. 
They protect him on behalf of the emperor. They're peacekeepers. They wear javelins. A lot of them do um, when they're on duty. You'll see them walking around the city. Uh, Sentinel freelancers relation or Sentinel and freelancer relations are typically not encouraged. Uh, The freelancers lack of rule following leads to tense situations. So they view freelancers as kind of wild cards. Sentinels are your rule followers. The main connection you have with the Sentinels is Bryn, who gets really verklempt half the time and nervous about talking to you even as a, as a character. And she is unsure how to handle your newfound friendship slash business partnership, because she basically employs you part of the time to do some of the things that she was kind of sort of supposed to do. And then her commander, Commander Vool, does not approve of your guys' working relationship, but it it has proven fruitful, apparently. So we get to the javelins themselves. There are technically five different javelins. Four that you can play in-game, at least the majority of the game. You have the ranger, the colossus, Storm and Interceptor. Four very different play styles for all of these. Ranger is your most user-friendly one. You're the one that's easiest to get used to. It's the one that I play primarily. It is your frontline fighter. And the quote in game is commonly used for frontline fighting. This reliable javelin has well-rounded offense and defensive capabilities due to an even balance of armor and speed. The ranger's propulsion pack can launch quick airstrikes on unsuspecting foes, as well as navigating challenging terrain during exploration. Rangers are Farah from Overwatch. Yeah, basically. They have the same type of attack where you have a volley that you send out. They, beyond that, it's just a mech suit. They're not super fast. They're not super slow. They're just kind of your good Soldier 76 or Pharah type character for from Overwatch. The Colossus are your tank characters. They're heavily armored javelins that is a cornerstone of the human society. And is it's kind of a um, successor to the Javelin of Dawn, which is the fifth kind of javelin that is out there. Uh, Colossus are the most user-friendly as far as within society they're used for industrial work deep sea diving and heavy transport Um, they're slower than other models but they can withstand a ton of punishment and they're the ones who will have the giant shield and can push forward in masses of people i don't like playing them i really they're not they're too slow for my play style. I like to move around a little bit more on the battlefield. You really have to be somebody who can make a stand in one spot and slowly, very slowly move forward because you're not going anywhere fast with the Colossus. They can take a ton of damage, but you're not going to be moving very quick with these guys. Uh, the Storms. Storms are kind of your warlock characters. The storm is the latest javelin, latest in kind of, 
Yeah, they're the ripoff of the Warlocks. Um, they're basically Stormcallers with yeah. an ice element, yeah. which I really would like to have. And Destiny, Bungie, please. Yeah, yeah. Problem is, it doesn't necessarily fit the the bill of what they're going for. Otherwise, I'd really like to have it anyway. Yeah, now, uh, Storm's like the one thing that I've had a chance to play with, and I will say that their powers are amazing. They are a lot of fun. Uh, and the fact that they actually are, like, lightly linked up, I, I, I don't know if they were going for this, but, like, how a Void Warlock has this, like, connection, so to speak, to, like, the Hive, mm-hmm. uh, or, or is, like, mistaken so much for, like, Hive magics, the, uh, the the storm being utilized with like the same technologies as the dominion and being basically born from the dominion mm-hmm. uh it just fascinates me with with how, what they did with it obviously i at least like the storm yeah um they're they're great frames they're they're amazing little javelins uh i know they, they were float. very yes All the that, time. that's actually that's actually the thing that i love about them because you can you can float legitimately float around the entire arena uh and it barely takes away most of your boost gauge it's great it is great uh but now the fact that they uh that the javelins are i think they're actually one of the more newer ones i believe between mm-hmm. them and the um interceptor and the interceptor yeah, both mm-hmm. of them are actually considered very new yep uh to what the the uh, the freelancers have been able to use at this point. Mm-hmm. And you were right. The storm was created by Dominions. Mm-hmm. It's, I believe also the monitor uses a weird bastardized version of a storm. Yeah. The, the pieces that it, that it kind of looked like, that's what I got the inkling of as well. Uh, it seemed like a very large combination between a storm and maybe a uh, a colossus or whatever the, the ranger use. Yeah. Similar, yeah. I would I would almost say more colossus. I don't know. They it, it has that larger. It is a well. If you mean the the small, yeah. The the okay, yeah. Before I get into spoilers and all, right? Uh, no, then absolutely, absolutely. I would I would say that. Mm-hmm. And then the very last one. So Stormy, you talked about how it has ice and able to float above combat. For its, it's light armor. It's a little bit squishier, but don't the storm, and this is one I haven't played that much, don't they have like a little shielding effect that they can do? Am I just, or am I just still uh, stuck on Borderlands? I think the Ranger just... also has a, like a, a Halo-esque shield effect that it can also place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Storms have something that is similar to that. They they often play as more of a support character. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, they they traditionally do not rely on shields. They, uh, they, they rely blink. more on, yeah, I'm going to say they can blink, they can, they can hover, they can propel themselves through... Uh, through air in terms of uh, jet mechanics a little bit better. Um, They're the ones that traditionally will rely more on their powers than anything else Mm -hmm. uh, than they will on like their connections to, uh, to, to, to defenses, I guess, as a whole, like they don't really storms haven't at least shown to me that they rely or think about defense too much. It's actually more like offensive wizards. Mm hmm. 
that's a that's a good way to put it. They're they're very wizard esque, not warlock esque, but very wizard esque. They have a few tricks that they can use really well. Interceptors are the last of the four primary javelins that you can use. They are created by Corvus, and they are a scout type suit that are meant for exploration and diplomatic missions. They are fast as all get out and make me sick when I play them. I cannot because they are too quick. You and me both. Uh, the Interceptor is known to be the most agile and acrobatic javelin a lancer can find. Lightning fast, close range attacks combined with specialized weaponry will thrill lancers who crave speed on the battlefield. Um, interceptors are essentially tracer. They are tracer slash the fastest character you can think of as far as getting up in your face and punching you and slicing at you and stuff like, like that. They're like Sonic! No. Nothing oh. is like that Sonic. I didn't say that Sonic. I just said Sonic. I'm really? Glad. Why you gotta go to that Sonic right I mean, away, that's, huh? I mean, they're changing that Sonic, which is, thank yeah, God. Know, which is wonderful. The internet well, did like, something right. Yeah, it, it only took like a day to to say that no, we don't like this anyway. Mm-hmm. Completely off topic again, but no, they they absolutely are like Sonic. They go, they gotta go fast. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, green, green, green. I mean, we got see how many references we can pack into this anthem episode because we've gotten quite I, a few in here so far. I don't don't challenge me. Okay. Don't you do it. I will. I will. I will make it happen. We have only a little bit left. I've got. The Javelin of Dawn, the basic information on javelins, and then the locations. And then we are through the tutorial of Anthem, because I'm not going into any of the spoilers of any of the missions. I'm not going to go into too much of any of the characters, because it'll spoil a lot of things. I'm just giving you the bare bones of, because this game has only been out three months, not even. It came out in February, the end of February. So it is still a very new game, and I do not want to spoil it. I know it's two months in, but there are people who still haven't played it. If you plan on playing it, you're going to get just your basic information here for it. I mean, the only other thing, and I still do debate that it'll end up being some fair... uh some fair spoiler territories like the Legion of Dawn as well. A little bit, um, yeah. There, it, granted, it's a lot of like the the past stuff and like why we're why you do what you do in Anthem, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that there, I think reading that information is like paramount because there are that's where you get a lot of your interpretive material. Yes, uh, is from the Legion of Dawn information, like big time. And we're going to kind of get into that a little bit right now, because the Legion of Dawn is the history, like you said, of javelins in general. Yeah. And I have to be honest, super interesting. Yeah. I I actually uh, had a chance to read over a good majority of it. I didn't I didn't get like too in depth, like I started writing notes like I did. I do for Destiny, but like I I was reading over and I was like this is this is kind of fascinating mm-hmm. like I I really like what they did here and it's obvious they put in a lot of care for it uh, mm-hmm. so that's why I think like knowing the background or the basis here is important but yeah whatever you want to dig into for the Legion I I wanted to stress like as somebody that's made it apparent that I think that uh, you know Anthem's got some got some things it's got to work on 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that that's a a pretty good start for like what it is that they could have with the game itself. Uh, I think it's I think it's great. I do too. I do too. And actually, I do want to get into it just a little bit. So, the Legion of Dawn member who created and like invented and built the very first javelin was Arden Vassa, and. The information about that is mainly in that card called Arden Vasa. Javelins are the mo- among the most advanced technology humanity has access to. Because of the presence of Shaper artifacts, this allowed humans to fashion the exosuits even while the rest of their technology lagged behind. So during when these javelins were first created... Humanity was not very technologically advanced, but because they were able to utilize the essentially the powers of creation itself a little bit with the Shaper artifacts, they were able to create their first suits. And the very first type of Javelin was called the Javelin of Dawn. One of these suits was given to every member of the Legion of Dawn, and the Javelin of Dawn served as the precursor to the Colossus, so they're the bigger, they're a very large mech-type suit. Current-day Javelins, and I'm going to dip away from the Legion story a little bit, current-day Javelins are constructed from various parts that have been cobbled together by freelancers or handcrafted by Arcanists. The knowledge of how to build javelins has been passed down from generation to generation in a tradition spanning centuries. Javelins are still incredibly rare. They're not, there's not many of them out there, or they're just incredibly expensive to make because their pieces are not easy to make. Yeah, where have I heard that before? I don't know, Beard. Where? where? Ghosts. Ghosts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> every javelin is precious. And, and every loss of a javelin... <laughs> never mind. I'm just not going to go to keep going. <laughs> oh, it still fits and it still works. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just made myself sad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Uh, God. So uh, there are three different groups that can use javelins in the game currently. Dominion and Sentinels and Freelancers. Dominion, remember, are one of the enemy factions. Sentinels are the police force that use them. And obviously Freelancers like yourself use them as well. The Javelin of Dawn, like I said, was the very first type of javelin ever constructed as the precursor to the Colossus, designed by Arden Vasa, one was given to every member of the Legion of Dawn. All these, inf- this is all like recapping a little bit because all of this is really important to the story that you get into. The f- one of them was piloted by General Helena Tarsus, which, if you remember early, General Tarsus was a character I mentioned. And armed with special shields, she used the Javelin of Dawn to free humanity from the slavery to the Urgoth. After she died, the Javelin of Dawn was hidden away in the Fortress of Dawn, which is historically, I know it's slightly spoilery, it's spoilery, but it's also historically kind of legendary type stuff for the game. Your character does go after trying to get the Javelin of Dawn in the main story mission. 
We're not going any further past that information because there's some major things that happen there and I get real mad at a certain somebody and I don't like them anymore. Um, Did you ever, though? No, that's very true. I really didn't like them to begin with, but it just made me, it just made it even easier to dislike. Right. When I read that beard, I may have gone to Cole and screamed at her for like a good 20 minutes, like... What? Why didn't you I mean, tell me? I mean, you kind of had rights to. <sighs> I mean, that's the that's where things get, I think, sort of iffy with the way that they sort of handled the the story, the general ideas with the the, the mainline story. Yeah. yeah, that's where like the the lore of Anthem is incredibly fascinating to me, and it's like how they that part too. Yeah. And, like, how they, they sort of culminated and made it work out. Um, but, yeah, I I definitely enjoyed what they did with the lore. Uh, but as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I saw pieces from that main story, I was just like, oh, sure. Right. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you do up until you get to that point in the story are basically side quests and get-to-know-you type things. Right fascinating some of them especially the thing with matthias from the beta that you get to revisit a little bit later i think that storyline is a little fascinating but i like split personalities i guess locations in anthem i mentioned antium a little bit of correction antium is not the name of the world i messed up on that one antium is the name of a human city and kingdom and the de facto capital of the world. Not the, It's not the entire world, it's just the capital. Sentinels serve as the city's main defensive force, and it is ruled by Emperor Vallis Dell. Freemark. It is a, the destroyed city that you see in the opening section. Freemark is an ancient and prosperous state. It was the site of the Battle of Freemark and later the Heart of Rage Cataclysm. The city was known to be the second most populated city in Bastion after Antium. There, one, uh, the one could, though one could contemplate the legendary sculpture, the Colossus of Tarsus, some of the early Legion architecture, and visit the colorful marketplaces and the Freelancer Wall. These are all kind of my notes. So there were lots of different things within Freemark that you could go and see. Lots of history. Um, the Colossus of Tarsus, early Legion, Legion of Dawn architecture, and you can visit the marketplace and the Freelancer Wall. All of that's gone. Fort Tarsus. It is your primary city in the game. You spend a lot of time there. You get to know a lot of people there. Um, it got its name from the Legion of Dawn leader, General Helena Tarsus. So remember the one who wore the Javelin of Dawn and led everybody with her shield and uh, kind of pushed back the Urgoth, that is Fort Tarsus. That is kind of the location that you get to spend so much time in. Luckily, there's a running function. It's not as fast as I want it to be. Heliost. Heliost is a location in the world also called the Engineer City. Heliost is a human settlement. The gates of Heliost have been occupied by Scar sometime before the Heart of Rage occurred. So there's lo- the various locations in-game 
have their own issues. Heliost has scar problems. The next one we're going to talk about has a different kind of problem. Strawhelmed or Strahlheim is a location in the world. It is the seat of power of the Dominion, located in a mountainous region located north of Fort Tarsus. So there is rumor right now that we get to go there at some point. It is not in-game currently, but hopefully we'll get to go there. Thus concludes my basic tutorial of the world of Anthem. Blue beard. I don't know how much further I want to go with this one without getting into spoiler territory. Do you, what would you like to do in general? I mean, do like you want feelings on the Do game? you want to go into spoiler territory? I really don't. Um, if this game was a year old, yes, I would. I mean, I I kind of agree with Green to not go into too much spoilers. The reason is in the instance and hope that uh, Bioware EA can go ahead and shift things a little bit more uh, to bring the best out of and what they were really looking to do with the title. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that a lot of people will otherwise jump into it. And yeah. I really think that they will enjoy themselves. Uh, I think that that is a... At least to me, that's kind of like my philosophy on it at the moment. I don't know what y'all think, but... I think that's that's my feeling. Personal feelings about the game. I think the game is a lot of fun to play. I think there are parts of the game that are a little less easy to access than others. Um, personally, I'm still I'm still a fairly low level character compared to some of my other clanmates who are quite a bit higher up. Um, I still haven't gotten through all of the. Um, what are they called in game? Basically the locations where you have to unlock the doors by doing a bunch of different tasks. And it's the Legion of Dawn quest. It's the main story mm -hmm. quest. Mm -hmm. I have one gate to unlock and I've just kind of got bored because basically you don't have any other missions to do in the game at the time. Your mission is to unlock all these gates and you have to accomplish that by completing so many different tasks whether it's getting combos with your base your grenade and your uh, class ability or so many multi-kills and stuff like that i find that part really tedious and i that's why i haven't continued playing the game frankly the missions i enjoy but doing the open world stuff to try to get into these to unlock the rest of the story i kind of gave up after it trying for about four hours to do granted i'm sure i could look up a tutorial to do it but it just wasn't it wasn't intuitive personally that's my my only problem with it i do like going into the game and flying around and shooting things but i haven't been able to move the story too much further forward but beard what's your kind of general feeling on it at this point I mean, I've already kind of given my two cents, I think, when all said and done. Um, Flying was good. Yeah. No, I think, like, the... That's what I've said. Like, the, the base of the title is great, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I think they got to work on things more like progression and so on to really uh, 
grab the the audience attention a little bit further mm-hmm. uh and there are there are several other like mechanic based things that I can say but if I keep it strictly story uh I think that it too kind of suffers from what destiny run in, runs into now and again the main story has some issues and flaws but the lore behind it yes. and whatnot is is so interesting to me that I want to continue to like know what happens with it. It's another world that I can easily see myself uh, get lost into if uh, if certain things get uh, fixed up and and work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, like the the immersion, like I've had immersion problems with Destiny for a long time as well. Like from like early days of D one through uh, Taken King, I would probably say there are points where I'm like. Yeah, I the 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 veneer is worn off at this mm-hmm. point that I that I now am focusing more on what is going on with the title right uh and what's happening around me and I just can't do this anymore and allow for this to continue in the manner that it does. Yeah, uh, that's sort of where I'm at with it I think at the moment. Uh, but I know that there are are those that very much enjoy it and like it, and to all of you, good. I do absolutely good. There are, there is a structure there. It's not a, it's not a complete base. I'm never going to say that Anthem is a complete like base of a game to build off of. There are some major things missing. There were some major things missing from the release date even up to this date even with the patches that we've had granted the last patch that fixed the you can finally see all the animations of loading into your mech that is nice Uh, but the the thing that i think anthem can do and i really hope ea manages to pull this off or bioware manages to pull this off is to is to be able to pull in different kinds of missions. Mm. Um, a lot of the missions feel very repetitive. Granted, it is it is a shooter. It is a... You fly into the world, you find some bad guys, you shoot the bad guys, you have a few waves of the bad guys, then you have a bigger bad guy. There are a few puzzles in the game. I enjoyed the puzzles. I enjoyed that part of the game a lot. There are a few different areas you go into i think that's really neat but i think that 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 anthem lacks amount of diversity in what you're doing as far as how you interact with the game also kind of lacks the diversity in terms of uh like how much there is in story right now oh yeah there's just not a whole lot there now because i know that was the uh largest complaint from uh at least if we if we look at like what's publicly been said from uh both Mylan and um Bife. from Bife, yeah. Goodness, why the heck couldn't I remember his name? Mm-hmm. Um both of them have kind of said the same thing that like they they need to see more from it, that there really isn't any kind of staying power for it in the long run. No. Uh and it's the reason why I haven't really dug into it all that much. Uh, there were a lot of people in the lead up that were like, well, why aren't you covering this title? Like, it would be great for you. And, you know, it's just a, a great title to, to springboard you into like a new, 
a new era and whatnot for the channel and and like talking strictly business uh i told them from the get-go i have bad feelings about where this is going because i knew the production series that was uh destiny and i knew what that got me when i trusted it Mm -hmm. uh and when i ended up seeing that i was right i didn't say anything i didn't like bring it up and whatnot but like when there is no like again from strictly business standpoint here i'm not saying that the game is 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 god awful i i still say that the player base got screwed and whatnot and stand behind that entirely but for a strictly business channel covering standpoint uh to know that i was kind of on the right track that i would have probably covered the game for about a week or so and that would have been it Mm -hmm. it would have been a lot of time invested in something that would not have gotten me far at all and that's just the shame of it like i i want people to enjoy their titles and games that they play and pick up and such uh i think that there very much is the potential to do so with this title uh but yeah they just largely need to to add on to it i think at this point i think that's where i think that's where i'll try to leave my thoughts at this point like i like i said i can easily carry on oh yeah uh, how all of this went and how it just feels like they they should have just pushed it back another year as terrible as that sounds right i don't think uh, that's terrible at all i think that if there is any lesson that we can take from and granted this is a this is a game that got so much marketing help that helped yeah. push its its launch it's a lesson for consumers to be cautious about pre-ordering and then for developers and um, publishers to, yes, you want to sell your product, but you don't want just that flash in the pan sell. You want to sell your product and until consumers decide that they're not going to pre-order everything just because they see something shiny, they need... I wish publishers would stop trying to trick the audience because that's what it almost feels like at this point, as far as politics goes. Yeah. I think that developers are being pushed very, uh, very hard and publishers are pushing things out very quickly. That being said, a different game that we just had a release kind of trailer or release day thing for Borderlands three the the devs that were talking about it said that they took their time to develop this game to make it to be what it wants. I'm still cautiously optimistic. I have not ordered the game. I am to the point now where I think I'm never going to pre-order ever again and wait until it comes out to just make them put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. But I am excited about that game. And I think that there are things that they have made as quality of life changes that are really good. I want more people to take that approach. Granted, I know that games like Borderland, if Half-Life 3 decided to come out at some point, people would lose their shit. I get that. And you would probably pre-order it without having any proof of concept. But you have to remember that publishers are going to take advantage of that mindset as much as possible. And unfortunately, this game 
feels to me like that was the case. That's my little political spiel. Do not pre-order. That is my personal feelings on that one. Um, if you love the game, great. I'm glad you love the game. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think there was a lot of things that got pushed out a little too soon. I th really want to see more freelancer stories. I think the stories with all the different faction groups, um, with the Sentinels, with uh, Bryn, and with Matthias, and Owen, and all the different groups are fascinating. But I want to know more freelancers, more than just Halleck. Halleck is, Halleck's story is interesting, but he's kind of curmudgeon-y. Yeah. But I want to know, I want to know what happened to the rest of the freelancers, why yeah. there are so few out there and what are they doing? Like who else is around? There are other freelancers and we know that, but we don't know really any of them. And that's where I want to see them take the story. I want to see them develop that out a little bit more because right now it's all hearsay yeah but blue do we want to go to shout outs let's do it okay i'm gonna make you two do shout outs first and i'll go last this time haha <laughs> beard go for it i guess that's fair oh okay i guess i'm going first um the major shout out i have at the moment is just to uh, anybody that's heading to Guardian Con, of course, in July. Uh, it's actually really not that far off. Like, we've got no. two months to go at this point. Uh, so watch it for your tickets, uh, not just for the event, but, of course, for also flying out there if you haven't already. Uh, I know there are a lot more people than usual that are heading out there this time. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that the community has also, again, kind of uh, expanded, uh, at least as far as, like, the, the inner... I don't want to say the inner circle, but the ones that you start to hear of more and more um, or the familiar faces and such, there's starting to be more of them, which is, I think, really great. Uh, it just says something to the community as a whole that it's becoming more tight knit. Um, and then even then, there are more people that are joining it. Uh, it feels daily. Yeah. Uh, I I keep hearing the doom and gloom of Destiny's dying, and I'm sure it's not as... Uh, popular as it used to be because no it, it certainly hasn't been but the general idea of more people playing uh I, I know i know like four or five people that just started to play the game like i i don't know what else to tell you but the game's not doing terribly uh the game's also not meant to be like this uh and I, and I would say this even for, for talking about Anthem or Borderlands or anything like that as well with them uh, having their new one coming up. The game is not meant as this like extreme hardcore uh, grind unless you want it to be. Like There are elements that you can take from it to, to sit back and enjoy yourself. And I mean, I like to do the forges every week and I do some Gambit now and again. Uh, I do some stuff in Dreaming City. I do Strikes. Uh, and that's about what I do for the week. And I'm sitting at 700 light at this point. Uh, I am, I am max potential and I am good to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have done every single, uh, quest that I can at this point, minus like a couple on PC. Uh, but just largely I've, I've just been taking my time, enjoying it, so on. And that's 
where I want my style of play to be. Uh, those that I think that are kind of pounding on these games the way that they do uh, are looking and you know, Monster Hunter World is another, I think, good one for this uh, fair example, too. They are titles that ask a lot of uh, your investment in time, mm-hmm. but that time doesn't have to be given, like, right away. Uh, there are few, very few things that I can think of in a lot of those games. And granted, I guess Destiny as a whole has sort of added a few extra on with, like, the invitations and the, the queen visits and everything. But very few things, like, ask you to do them immediately, where you can take your time and just kind of enjoy them. Uh, so I continue to play Destiny as much as I do, I think, uh, why I'm kind of engrossed in the world beyond just reading the lore and having six notebooks full of notes. Mm-hmm. It's completely devoid of the point. Anyway, uh to those in the community, you know, I, I can't wait to see you over Guardian Con if you're going. Uh, to those that are new, old, whatever, uh, I think it's great that we're that we're all kind of like, uh, you know, getting a little bit closer as a family or uh, just just growing more and more together uh, as time goes by. I think it's just I, I think it's awesome. But mm-hmm. I saw I got. I'm going to just give a big shout out. Uh, We got a lot of episodes coming at you guys for this next week. Um, So really big appreciation for everyone who's sticking with the podcast and and enjoying it. Um, We have, I'm hoping to, by the time you're listening to this on the audio, um, I'm hoping that the interview or, well, the let's chat with John Goff that we did uh, last night or the night before last uh, will be uh, live. It's uh, it's a long one, so uh, you know I I have been trying to make sure that it sounds good. Um, it was it super was fun. hilarious, and I will also put a disclaimer on it that this is not for small children. Um, <laughs> John has a way with words. Let's just put it that way. Um, uh, and it, I mean, it was, it was fun. I would, I, w- I would say that like, not, not to like ruin it too much, but him and I got, well, you know, I was, mean, it was, it was hilarious <laughs> when, yeah, there's, there's, there's like, I've, I've been editing it for the last like day or so every mm. evening, um, where I can. And I, I've been messaging Beard and Green both just like I've just been dying. I, I've never enjoyed editing something so much. It's been absolute blast editing it because it's just so funny. Um, so I'm really I'm really looking forward to hearing everyone's uh, thoughts and opinions on it to, to not beat that mm-hmm. dead horse a little bit too much. Um, but then on top of that, you know, with the top three, I've just I've been really excited to see how how well the top three has done. Um, I'm, I'm hoping actually that we maybe can start doing let's chats a little bit more because I've been having a lot of fun with them. Um, and they're just, they're just really relaxed and they kind of give us a way to, uh, get more into kind of like what we're doing with the top three, kind of get to know us and just kind of hear our kind of relaxed. Yeah. Our relaxed things going on. Um, so I, I, I'm going to try to 
We do have one scheduled yeah. delay that'll we happen. We do. Yeah, a, it, May May is going to be a busy month for us. Um, so we have another Let's Chat scheduled for the 16th, uh, which will be, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping to have that available for everyone on their uh, podcast feeds by the 21st, I'm thinking, um, just to give myself a little mm-hmm. bit of buffer there. But um, yeah, I have a few plans for Let's Chats and I need to run it by Green and Beard to hear their thoughts on it. But I, I'm really hoping that we can get that kind of off the ground a little bit more um but yeah and just i mean again just huge huge thank you to everybody for their support um both for the just the community as a whole and even in the chat as well i really appreciate it um you know i haven't been these past few weeks man past few months i haven't been available in the chat as much just simply because of increase in in real life which is you know that's always got a double edged sword it it pays the bills but it also means i don't have enough time to to do what i really enjoy doing and i just really appreciate those who have stuck with us uh and who have continued to con- uh, continued to send continuous support and you know, thoughts and, you know, just their thoughts, their, their feedback on what we can do better. Um, I just, I can't reiterate, I can't iterate how much that helps and means to us as a team. Uh, so just a really big shout, just a really big shout out to, you know, to everyone in the community. Um, but yeah, green, I, and a huge shout out to green actually for, I mean, if you've gotten this far, you know, who did the major lifting on this episode? So, uh, Shizzler. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and that and that's fair too. I mean, that's a fair point, Green. I mean, but you and Shizzler both, I think. I mean, I think that needs to be stated as well. You know, big thank you for you guys taking the time and making sure that there's a comprehensive, you know, God, comprehensive guide, I guess, to this world. I mean, world. Or at least an introduction to the world. I mean, it's not comprehensive by any stretch of the Well, but I think it does a good job of introducing you to, like, at least you walking into it, you kind of have a bit of familiarity with what's going on. Right. So, but yeah, that's, yep. that's, that's mine. That's kind of dovetailing into mine. I mentioned Shizzler. This, okay, Shizzler is a FFC, um, He's one of our kind of, he's been around mm-hmm. forever. Got the pleasure of meeting him last year at GuardiansCon. A little aloha to him. He plays uh, Anthem. He did a ton of screen caps for us. And all of the information tonight actually came directly from Endgame. I was able to, because of his work and uh, time that he put into capturing everything, I was able to read through all of the cards and pull out the information that you guys got tonight. So a huge shout out and thank you to him for just while he's playing, just being able to capture all of that because I don't have nearly the amount of cards that he does because a lot of the cards, just like in destiny, you have little scannables type things. Granted in um, Anthem, they're kind of shiny in the world when you're flying around. They're just like these little shiny shimmery points. Yeah. They're kind of hard to miss when you're flying. They're not like a ghost, which are, in my opinion, still really hard to see if you're not looking for them. But 
they are also all over the place and not easily found, and there's no maps for them. So Shiz did a ton of work pulling all that together for us. My second shout-out is actually nothing related to video games in general. No! And it it goes to SpaceX. No. Oh, yeah. That just happened, right? That just happened early tonight. I actually watched it. Um, they had a live stream of it on YouTube of the SpaceX Fal- Heavy Falcon mm-hmm. launch, which is the first launch that they've done with this heavy body um, boosters. Uh, normally they do like a single booster. The Heavy Falcon had three oh, boosters. Wow. And all three boosters came back and landed nice. like SpaceX is known to do, which was really fascinating to watch because the not only the technology that is required to do that and the precision that is required to do that, but the just the we're such a consumable society where all of the old shuttles, all of the heavy shuttles that got us to the moon were literally just throwaway shuttles. Once they were used up, you could never use the boosters mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And it's it's impressive to me and a huge, a huge um, advancement in our space technology to be able to reuse boosters because yeah. not only does it eventually cut down on cost in the long run, but it sustains the space program even longer, which is one of my favorite. I love NASA. I love the space program. I love the fact that we can go into outer space and put things out there that help not only our technology, but also just the development and our understanding of the universe. So anything related to that is important to me. And the stuff that SpaceX is doing now is just a really cool and fun and sustainable thing that I think should continue. I think that it is important that we continue to go to space and SpaceX is making it possible. So thank you, Elon Musk. Shout out to you, sir. Yeah, you're never going to hear any complaints from me about SpaceX. I'll agree with SpaceX. I know you don't like Elon it's Musk. Not, it's I, it's Okay, to be clear, it's not that I don't like him. I mean, he's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but I mean, who? which genius I mean, isn't? But... I mean, right. there's just, yeah, some of the things, I don't know, yeah, 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 yeah. I understand there are politics and things, but the fact that the man has Oh, yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, so a couple of our friends are actually engineers on that, so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, don't don't get me wrong, I have, I have the utmost respect for what he has done professionally, academically, like, it, it's amazing, amazing. I'm sure, personally, he's probably not the best person i just i just yeah no i it's just it's just just some of the quirks spacex some of the quirks that he has i'm I'm like i'm like really really dude okay i mean to each their own and those people who worked on spacex are geniuses in my book and i hope they. oh yeah no and and they're and they're keeping alive a program that Mm mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm. yeah needless to say you want to talk about politics let's not get started on that one mm-hmm. please don't mm-hmm. please please don't make me do that <laughs> anyway end of the episode turn over no there's no side b to this one uh, 
Lou, do you want to wrap this up though? Since you are, uh, yeah, no, I guess I am technically the host on this one. It feels like Green is just extending the top three this week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Anyways, no, we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. Next week we are going to be talking about, I believe, dust. Uh, not the act- yeah. not the not the stuff that our planets are made of, but the lore book itself. Uh, which has I mean, been is there really opinions. a difference? Well, it depends on. We'll get into it that. It depends next on week. how you want to talk about the red box that it comes in. Uh, I want to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting for a long time to talk about this one. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. we're we're all. I I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that we're all really excited about this conversation. Um, be sure to put weigh in on the poll this weekend. I apologize for it being late. I completely forgot to put it up last night while I was editing the podcast with John. Um, so yeah, take that how you will place blame wherever you feel is appropriate. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Hope you guys are having a great week and we'll chat with you later. Bye. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.